Are you a busy Ruby developer who wants to take their freelance business to the next level? Interested in working smarter, not harder? Then check out the upcoming book, Next Level Freelancing, Developer Edition. Practical steps to work less, travel more, and make more money. It includes interviews and case studies with successful freelancers who have made a killing by expanding their consultancy, developed passive income through informational products, built successful SaaS products, and become rockstar consultants making a minimum of $200 an hour. There are all kinds of practical steps on getting started, and if you sign up now, you'll get 50% off when it's released. You can find it at nextlevelfreelancing.com. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 51 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, Scott Sweeney. So, Hello. Scott, you you haven't been on the show for probably almost a year. I think we did this right before, right after uh, tax time. Um, do you want to introduce yourself really quickly for those who haven't, who aren't familiar with you? I'm a uh, CPA, and I specialize in tax for individuals and small businesses. And your freelancers are an ideal client for me. And we probably process about 800 uh, tax returns a year out of my firm. And we, you know, are current and up to date on all the latest, you know, tax changes and and so forth. And I've been at this for a long time, so I don't know if there's much more you want me to say than that. <laughs> nope. Um, the only other thing I'm going to add is that uh, Scott is my CPA. He's the, he's the guy that f- that takes care of my taxes, so I, I can't recommend him highly enough. He's probably saved me more money than I care to think about. So, Well, I've at least saved my fee, right? Yes, at least that. Probably okay, probably three or four times that. Okay, but, good. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah, if you didn't save me at least that much, I probably wouldn't come back. But I'm pretty yeah. well convinced that, yeah, no, I, yeah. If I can't save you my fee, then it's not worth coming to me. So yeah. So anyway, last time we talked about taxes, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. This time, I thought we could talk a little bit more about like bookkeeping and business expenses. Oh sure. I, I know Eric does his own books. I've never even dreamed of doing my own books. I, I'm starting to think about it mainly because I've been looking at a couple of different people who can do books, and I'm wondering if it's really worth you know putting the money down or if it's something that I can just do in like a half hour or an hour a week. Let me let me say this on that on that front. What I find is that entrepreneurs are so busy finding new clients, taking care of their clients, that the books get put into last place. And uh, they end up not being done very well. And it may be worth it to you, and you have to kind of sit down and say, you know, if I spent the hour I'm going to spend doing books uh, trying to find a new client, would I make more money than I would if I hired somebody to do the books for an hour? And that's the trade-off in my mind. I recommend that uh someone else do the books other than the entrepreneur quite a few entrepreneurs use their wives and i meet with more women than i do men actually because they're the ones that actually keep track of everything you know so that's that's one option the other is to hire someone there are software programs out there that you know you, that somebody can use but 
that's been my experience is that the entrepreneur doesn't do a really good job of uh, taking care of the books. I can see that. And when you ask the question, if you spent the time looking for a client or, you know, taking care of a client, would you make more money? My answer would pretty much always be yes. So, you know, and, and the thing is, is that when I get bad data to do taxes, and when I say bad data, I'm meaning, you know, it's incomplete, they haven't recorded everything that they've spent, then, you know, I'm sitting there saying to myself, they're going to pay more tax than they need to. And, you know, that would be another justification for, you know, hiring someone in. Mm-hmm. The thing I find with with uh, having wives do it is that they are pretty much the bird dog and will make sure that if you spend money, there's an accounting for it because it all comes home, you know. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's one benefit to having your wife do it. Does it does it take much training to be able to do it? Like, is this something that I could just, you know, give my wife a machine with uh, QuickBooks or Quicken or something on it and say, um, please do my books? Well, QuickBooks is a little more uh, technical. Um, that, I don't recommend uh, QuickBooks unless you're going to use it for invoicing, uh, payroll, uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable, that sort of thing. But if you're just wanting to keep track of revenue and expenses, Quicken or Excel, uh, even just a piece of paper will be sufficient. Uh, because all you're, all you're wanting to do is just keep track of what has, what kind of expenditures you're making. So, on the one hand, it's not too difficult. On the other hand, if you're going to do all those other things I said, then you will, you'll, you will want QuickBooks. Yeah, and that's kind of what I saw too. Is I actually have a finance and accounting background, and even the lowest and simple version of QuickBooks was overly complex for my business. Um, I use an open source package for mine that only works on Linux. But I mean, basically, you just have a ledger of your income and expenses, and I mean, I do a bit more complex stuff just because I have reports that I like to look at just to kind of get a barometer on my business. But I mean, I've I've separated like a product out where I still had all the expenses in my company, but I want to track like the actual revenue and expenses for the product as kind of a, a division. And I was just using a Google spreadsheet for that for probably about eight or nine months, and it actually worked really good. I think for something like that, that's far better than trying to do it through QuickBooks. A lot of CPAs call it quick mess, you know, it's because that's the way they come into us. People bring the flash drive in and the next thing you know, we're spending hours trying to figure out what they've done. And so if, it, unless you're going to use it for those other purposes, I just, I think you're better off doing, doing it in a very simple way. Huh. Okay. Now, um, yeah, if, if my wife isn't in a position to do it, then, I probably ought to be hiring somebody to do it. Yes. And and it doesn't take a rocket scientist. And there's plenty of bookkeepers out there that are entrepreneurs as well. I think you could hire a fairly bright high school student even to <laughs> to do this. You know, you're going to record the, the check number, the check date, who it was to, and the amount. And you're going to put those in various categories. And that, and at the end of the year, you're going to total it all up, the categories all up, bring it into your tax guy, 
and he's going to put it into the tax software and then you're done. If you are wanting to use your accounting data to manage your business, uh, then you'll want to make those totals on whatever frequency is best for you so that you can see. And then as Eric was saying, if you've got a particular product you want to track, then you could do that on a, a separate you know, spreadsheet and integrate it into what you're going to give the tax guy. Yeah, that makes so. sense. Um, I did look up uh, GNU Cache, and it looks like they have versions for Windows and Mac OS as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the user interface isn't really that good, but I like I haven't seen any accounting software that has a good user interface, so it's not really a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, one thing I actually found I, I do is I have my accounting program where I put all the stuff in, but then um, every month around like the fifth or sixth, I go through and make sure that it's completely up to date for the previous month. And then I have a spreadsheet that I make at the beginning of the year that basically has a column for each month and then each row is like an income or an expense and then totals and I transfer kind of the summary report for the month into that spreadsheet and I've been doing that you know every month for about three or four years and so now I can basically look at a couple spreadsheets and see how my revenue was and I can see if I'm forecasting that it's going to be higher or lower and I mean it's you know just simple math in the spreadsheet but it breaks it down to like how much profit I have and I also use that to kind of estimate my taxes too and it seems to work really good and only takes about mm, 15 minutes every month once I have all the data entered. And, and Eric's doing it himself, um, so he's you know he's got the discipline to force himself to do it every month, and that's that's important. Depending on the number of transactions, uh, you may you know uh, some businesses need to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you just don't want to get behind and then can't remember what this is for and and uh, lose the receipt, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the the thing that I've run into is, uh, I mean, I have a lot of stuff going on in my business. Um, it's not just the consulting; I have uh, podcast sponsorships, and I have um, the Ruby Rogues Parlay, which is kind of a a community sponsorship, and then I, I divvy that money back out to the members of that podcast and uh, things like that. And so it gets a little more complicated than just, you know, keeping track of what I'm spending and then the couple of big checks that come in from um, clients every month. Uh-huh. And so um, for me to well, do it myself, that... I'd have to categorize all kinds of stuff because I, I, yeah. I usually get income from um, from Stripe, which is the way we are now doing the the parlay list every day. I, I get I get some money from them. So well, what I well, actually because I have my book sales and they come in you know every day, every other day, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and it goes to PayPal. What I actually found that works the best because I do my books every week when I pay bills and do personal finance stuff. But I'll basically instead of entering each payment, I will do a summary one like. This week I made X dollars on this book. This week I made X dollars on this other book. And just have one item that I enter in there. And basically I do that and I have a little, I kind of keep track of like, okay, this was the last one I entered so I don't double enter things. And that works great because it still gets all the numbers in there, um, but it's not at the detail that I really need. And if I ever need to see like individual transactions, I just log into PayPal or Stripe and look at the individual ones. That makes sense. And, and Chuck, it sounds like you may need to get somebody to help because yeah, you, I I if, think I'm going got, to. 
if you get those kind of complications, you need somebody who's used to it and has the mindset to be able to, you know, separate things properly and then bring them, you know, and then combine them, you know, into one big number. And again, you know, how do you want to spend your time? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I'm pretty much to the point where I know I need to get somebody. Um, I, I fired the firm that was doing my bookkeeping last year, and that's that. You know, that's that's kind of the boat I'm in. That's why I haven't come to see you yet, is because I, I need bookkeeping done for the last three months of last year. Uh. And uh, so, yeah, I've been been trying to figure that out. So, yeah, I'll probably wind up hiring somebody to do that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I wasn't quite sure, you know, how, what, what I needed to do, how I needed to go about it. Um, I did talk to one bookkeeping company here in, um, Lehigh and they, they want to do everything through QuickBooks and they would effectively just do it all. And then there's some cloud, uh, service that they use that would allow me to have my books on my machine and my QuickBooks as well. So I'm I'm just trying to decide it, if that's it, the way to go or if I should you know find somebody well, else that can just give me a different way of doing it. Well, what were they wanting to charge you for that? They were saying thirty five dollars an hour. Well, and that's pretty standard. Yeah, I mean that's what I charge. So, and if they're going to use QuickBooks, that's fine because they're used to it and they'll know what yep. they're doing. But you know, I I make a lot of money by training people how to run QuickBooks. Oh, I'll bet. So, you know, it's it, it, you really kind of need to be an accountant to make that program work. You have to understand debits and credits and what's going here and what's going there. And there's a lot of ways of making mistakes in that. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. So I, I think we've kind of covered whether or not you want to do it yourself and things like that. Another thing that I wanted to get into was just business expenses. And I'm kind of curious, you know, how far can you go as far as writing things off? And just to give you an example, last weekend, my father-in-law took us all down to St. George uh, for the home show. And while I was down there, I talked to a member of the home show board about putting together an iPhone app for them. And so, um, you know, the, the joke was, oh, Chuck gets to write this trip off now. Is that actually the case? Technically, the trip, a business trip needs to be planned and then carried out. But I, would, I won't have any trouble at all, Chuck, taking that as a deduction uh, on your tax return because especially if the customer comes through and, you, and it produces revenue. Right. Because um, at that point then, you did business. And the, the terminology is ordinary and necessary. And it was ordinary and necessary for you to go to St. George to be able to meet this individual, to be able to produce revenue. And that's what you're in the business of doing is producing revenue. So that being the case, then easily we write that off. Now, if, it, if nothing comes to pass, then uh, I'll still take it because the potential was there for you to earn revenue. In other words, you were talking to a bona fide customer. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they'll they'll take a vacation and then, you know, they'll drive by a, a piece of property or they'll uh, take a tour of a manufacturing facility or something like that. But they, 
don't end up actually talking to someone that could produce revenue. Right. If that makes sense. That's the that's the criteria, ordinary and necessary. And it was ordinary and necessary for you to be in St. George. Oh, this is the thought. You only get to take the expense going down and coming back. You do not get to take any meals or motel or anything like that. And the reason for that is, is that you didn't spend enough time in a particular day uh, to warrant needing that. You could have driven down, seen them, come back the same day, and that's the way the IRS looks at it. Okay, so if if later on I call them up and I say, you know, hi, I got your phone number from so-and-so. She said I need to talk to you about doing an iPhone app. And they say, why don't you come down and do a presentation? So then I go down and do the presentation. The presentation is late enough in the day to where it's not reasonable for me to drive back. Then I can do all the other stuff to claim. Yeah, then you can take, then you you get the motel stay and you get the meals. Okay. And they'll give you $58 for your meals, whether or not you spend that much. Okay, so you just claim a per diem? You don't actually yep. expense the meals? That's correct. Yeah, and that's kind of like the trip that I did. I went up to Seattle to see a client that was actually already a client. And due to they wanted me to come up there as part of the project, all that, I'm basically going to write off the flight, um, the taxi, the meals. Um, I was only there for the day, so I didn't have a hotel. Um, but because it was a business trip for the client, and it was also, I think, greater than 50 miles or whatever, it falls under like a lot more deductions than if I just drove somewhere locally. Exactly, because you you get the well, you didn't have an overnight stay, but you but your trip up and back is all deductible. That's an ordinary and necessary expense for you to run your business. Mm-hmm. And since he was long enough there, or he was traveling long enough to need to eat, is that included then? Yeah, or? yeah, absolutely. So and the thing is, is um, even mm-hmm. if. Uh, you can actually deduct uh, weekend days as well uh, if your business requires you to be there on a Friday and then stay over the weekend on the mon- you know to Monday. So uh, you know that doesn't happen very often, but if it does happen, they allow you to take the hotel for the Saturday and Sunday nights. Yeah. All right. So. I've got another question for you. I went and spoke at Aloha Ruby conference in October. And obviously there was somebody who was not happy with the idea of me going by myself to Hawaii. Ah, uh, yes. So I took Is that, my wife. That's your CFO or? Yeah, my, my CFO. I guess you could call her that. Um, so I took my wife. So what parts of the expenses can I write off by taking my wife or does that cause any problems like writing off the hotel room we shared? It depends on whether how much your wife participates in your business. Almost was, none. Okay, then no. You can't take anything for her. If a wife is actively involved in the business, then obviously, you know, you can take it for her as well. Right. But, but if she's not actively involved in the business, then they're pretty... They're pretty much sticklers on not allowing that that expense. Okay, so I can't I can't claim her food. I can't claim her airfare. What about the hotel room? Because we shared the hotel room, but I would have had to get it anyway. Yes, you get the whole hotel room. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out where the line is. 
Well, the line is, is what, what expense would you have incurred had she not come? Right. Okay. So basically my food, my airfare, my hotel room. Yep. Right. Auto, auto transportation. Right. It, so the, you know, the taxi tour from the yep. airport, airport, that kind of stuff. Yep. All that. So the other thing I was going to ask is we stayed an extra, what, two days? Uh-huh. So that we could go up and we could see the uh, Polynesian Cultural Center and stuff like that. And we rented a car to do that. Can we can we not write off those days? You cannot write those days off. No. Including the hotel? Including the hotel. Okay. And if we paid for that on the business uh, credit card, then I just reimburse the business? I just write a check to the business and pay it off? Correct. Yes. That is the very best way of doing it. Okay. Another thing you could do is, like, you you stay two days. Um, you know, if you kind of plan some business luncheons with some other, you know, uh, other attendees or maybe you try to meet some potential clients or try to do other business work, um, I know you could, like, write off, like, the lunch at that point, and you, depending on how much you do, you might be able to write off those other days as kind of the more marketing and prospecting side of the business. They want they want about four hours to to be able to to say that it was a business day. Okay. So, you know, if you have a two hour lunch and and then you go back to their office for some meetings or whatever, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, or if you even just play with the client, let's say you go surfing with them or something like that. Mm-hmm and you spent four hours with them, then that's a business day. Okay. That makes sense. You know, the, the entertaining clients is an ordinary and necessary expense, depending especially on your industry. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a reasonable part of the sales process, so. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Taking somebody to the jazz to see them play, that's, that's very important. Absolutely. So, now, here's a question, though. So, say you have, like, a two-hour business lunch with someone, and then you end up having to do some work for a different client, and because we're software developers, we can work remotely, so we kind of go to the beach or, you know, the downstairs out of the hotel and work on our laptop for two or three hours. So, we ended up still doing a four- or five-hour work day. Would that be considered kind of a business day, too? I think you could get away with that. Now, that's, I'm pretty aggressive, but I would I would think you'd get away with that. One one of the things about tax law, I like to compare it to a football field. And one end is white, you know, the end zone is white, the other end zone's black. The white end zone means that it's so clear that nobody's ever gonna question what you're doing. And black is it's so clear that there's no way you could do what you want to do. Well the a hundred yards in between's all gray. And it just depends how close you want to play to that black end zone. And you're with what you just described, you're down on the 25. Um, you know, uh, an auditor could disallow that, but I, uh, I'm of the mind to say, no, go ahead, let's let's take that because you did work that day, and uh, you had to be in Hawaii to do that to to have the two-hour lunch. And then you decide, well, I need to do some other work. I can't go back to my office, so I'll just do it here. But they could say, well, you're not working for the client. You didn't need to be in Hawaii to do that, and 
then I'd argue back, well, what's he going to do? He can't go back to his office. But he worked. So, you know, and that's the whole thing, is you have to look at tax law as being gray. Yeah. By the way, uh, that reminds me, I did want to disclaim at the beginning of the show, and I totally forgot, you know, Scott is a tax professional, Eric and I are not. Anything that, that Scott or either of us say is purely our opinions, and you should go talk to a tax professional, preferably your tax professional, in order to do that. If you don't have one, Scott's a good one. But, uh, you know, un- until you talk to your tax professional and they say do this or don't do this, you know, we're not liable for, for whatever you decide to do on your own. There you go. So uh, I don't know if that covers us, but that's kind of how I feel anyway. So uh, the the other thing I want to get into with some of these expenses, and we're talking about like two-hour lunches and things like that, is sometimes I just get together with other programmers here, you know, and sometimes I'm talking to them about, you know, getting leads or things like that, or, you know, they're giving me pointers on marketing or things for my business. Sometimes we're talking about programming. Um, I figure I can write those lunches off because it really does add value to my business. Absolutely. But uh, sometimes I'm... I understand that it's easier to write those off if you have like two or three meals on the ticket. So you can say, I bought them lunch, they advised me kind of thing. What if I just bought my lunch and they bought their lunch? How do I make that stick so that they don't challenge me on, well, you could have just gone to Burger King on your own? Well, what you do is you write on the receipt who you met with and a very brief description of things that you discussed. Okay. And they have to accept that. Okay. Is it acceptable for me? Because I usually just take a picture of it with my phone. And, yeah. And then um, in the file name, I I put in the date and lunch with, like I went to lunch with David Brady a couple of days ago. So I put lunch with David Brady or David and Liz Brady. Yeah. Is that enough? It, that's enough. Well, you, you should, they, they say, what was the business purpose? They want that as part of the uh, okay. receipt as well. So you, 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 and that's why I say a very brief description of things that you discussed. So just jot that at the top of the receipt and yep. then take a picture of it. Yep. Okay. And and they have to accept that. There's, in my mind, you've met all of the all of the requirements of the rules, and you're playing in the white end zone. Okay. That, that's just as clear as it can get to me. And as far as traveling over there, I mean, I'm obviously not paying for airfare or anything. Do I just track the miles to get there and get Absolutely. back? Absolutely, yes. And then I just tell you I traveled so many miles or whatever? Yes. And will they challenge that if I don't have a mileage log in my car? Yes. Okay. If you don't keep a mileage log, they will challenge. Okay. Now, depending on the auditor, they, as to you know, just how much they'll disallow, but a mileage log, if you have a mileage log, you're pay- playing in the white end zone. Okay. I had a client, he had some sort of program where he could uh, tap in his beginning odometer reading and then tap in what he what he did and then tap in his ending odometer reading each day. And I handed that to the auditor and she looked at it and went, oh, okay. <laughs> it was a, she just, you know, she couldn't say a thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, had to give the miles because all of the documentation required by the code was sitting in that little 
device, and I was I was impressed. I was impressed that anybody would take the time to do that. But yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, pretty soon our cars will just have a button. Do you say it's a personal or business trip, and it'll track it for us? <laughs> there you go. I like that. Well, I, you know, some of what I'm seeing on the ads is, uh, verifies that because they're talking about having an iPad in the in the driver's console. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it yeah, makes sense. that that would cause me problems. I play too many racing games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the other question I have is. In July, my wife and I are talking about um, driving down to Texas. And the reason being is that they have um, Lone Star Ruby Conference, and we're doing a live podcast episode there for Ruby Rogues. And um, my sister and her brother both live um, just outside of Dallas. And the conference yeah. is in Austin, so I would effectively drive down and you know just drop them off in Dallas. So um, I can claim all those miles, I'm assuming, because I'm driving to a conference. It just happens to be my family in the car with me. Not, that's not a problem. Do, do I claim the miles or do I expense the gas? Claim the miles. You'll come out a lot farther ahead. You're going to get uh, $0.55.5 cents a mile, and I guarantee you you're not going to get that much if you spend, you know, if you just re- report the gas. And the other thing you by only reporting gas is you're not taking into effect, uh, account the uh, oil changes, the repairs, the tires, the depreciation on the vehicle. Okay. Registration, insurance, all of that doesn't come into that. The mileage amount covers that. Now, if you want to keep track of all of those items and report actual, you can do that. But that gets, you know, I mean, that's a lot of bookkeeping, a lot of... Uh, accounting, a lot of receipts to, to save and so forth. Uh, and that's why a lot of people just use mileage. Okay. But again, you got to have a mileage log. Got to have a mileage log even if you do actual. They, they want you to prove, you know, uh, they want you to prove the ordinary and necessary expense of mileage. Mm-hmm. Where did you go? What did you do? Okay. And going and speaking at a conference is, again, ordinary and necessary. So. Oh, Absolutely. No question about it. Yeah. And if you stay at your relative's house, uh-huh. then, again, I'm getting close to the black end zone, but I don't think it's unreasonable to um, have the family write you up an invoice for staying there. That's an interesting thought. I'm probably going to drop them off and go down to Austin and stay in a hotel anyway, but that is an interesting angle on that. You know, because if they give you an invoice and and then you pay them, uh, they can gift you back the money, but you can take that as a deduction, because you would spend that money on a hotel if you didn't have the family. Right. And and uh, but you have to get an invoice. You know, you got to have some sort of documentation, and there you go. Hmm. Yeah, and if you do that, you'd probably want to keep it under what is it, six hundred dollars, so you don't have to send them a ten ninety nine at the end of the year. There you go. Do all yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Very that, much so. That's another thing I wanted to ask about. So, ten ninety nines. If if I'm working with somebody and they have their own corporation and the corporation is the one that's invoicing me, do I have to give them a ten ninety nine? If it is a corporation, either S or C. If it's an LLC or a partnership, 
or a sole proprietorship, then you have to give them a 1099. Okay. And a lot of people think that their LLC is a corporation, and that's not true. Okay. The IRS considers it a partnership. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and there's, I don't remember the form number, but there's that form that you give a contractor that basically is asking for either a social security number or their employer ID. And on there, if I remember right, it has a little box that you check of, you know, what are you, you know, if you're like an LLC and if you're a partnership style LLC or a pass-through LLC. And based on that, I think that's what you use to figure out if you you should send them a 1099. Yes. And that form is called a W-9. Yep. I've got those for my subcontractors and sent them 1099s, but I was just wondering because I had somebody tell me, well, I have a corporation, so you don't have to send me a 1099. And Yes, and I'm a corporation. You don't have to send me a 1099. Right. Because you're an S corp or a C corp. That's correct. And how do you, how do you know that? By looking at the 1099, like Eric said, I guess? Well, no, you you should have everybody fill out a W-9. Yeah. And if they indicate that they're a corporation, then you've got that as documentation. Oh, okay. So then if the IRS comes and kicks me in the head, I say, no, they said they were a corporation, so I didn't send them one. And that's exactly right. And if they're not a corporation, you've got documentation saying that they told you they were, and then you're out of the, there's no problem. And then they have the problem with the IRS. Okay. So that's what I would recommend is you get a, everybody, you know, that you pay anything to, you get a W-9 from them. That makes sense. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the reason is, if you think about it, if you if you had to send 1099 to a corporation, then you're going to have to send it to Staples, to the post office, to your electric company. Everyone would have to be sending that. And I think there are some laws that didn't go through, but people were talking about how it, all corporations would have to send that and how much of a, like a burden on the economy it would be just to do all that paperwork. But that's kind of the logistics behind that. Exactly. Yeah. And that idea did, did bite the dust. Uh, I don't think, and I don't think it'll get resurrected. I think what they're after is the small corporations. So if it does come back, it will be, you know, if, if your revenues are under a million bucks or something, then you've got to, then you've got to issue 1099s. But it makes no sense to be issuing uh, 1099s to Staples and Questar and all these folks. Yeah, that seems a little silly to me too. Are there are there any other types of expenses that I that we haven't talked about? That well, we... I think um, I think an important one is health insurance, especially in this day and age where it's so expensive. Uh, health insurance, uh, you can write that off through your business up to the amount that you're paying self-employment tax on. And so in other words, um, if, if, if let's just take my business as an S-Corp, for instance. If I pay 10000 a year in health insurance and I take a $40,000 W-2, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I make a total of $80,000, okay, I'm not... These numbers aren't real, so I'm not giving away anything. But I, I don't pay self-employment tax on my full profits, and I think everybody knows that. And but I only pay it on about half. So if I pay, if I take a W-2 for forty thousand, then my ten thousand dollars of health insurance premiums 
becomes an expense to my S corp. And, you know, that's a significant expense. The thing I like about that is that it adjusts my adjusted gross income down, uh, which is an important, uh, um, factor in tax code law, et cetera. And I'm not having to report it on my Schedule A, which is the itemized deductions, and they're subject to 7.5% of the adjusted gross income. So I'm getting the full deduction rather than just partial. You can do the same thing through an LLC or as a sole proprietor, depending on how much you take and pay self-employment tax on. Now, the LLC, what, you, what you'll end up doing is just reporting it on a different place on your uh, personal tax return. But it is a very good deduction for the entrepreneur. So my question then is, um, both my wife and I have, um, well, she she's on a family plan with the kids, and I'm on my own health insurance plan because of my um, health. I have uh, health problems. I'm diabetic. Right. So... Um, can I can I pay both of those out of the business? Or yes. yes. Absolutely. Even though the, the policies are in our names and not in the business? No, you you're gonna have to move them into the business name. Okay. Your business is gonna have to buy the health insurance. Okay. And you may want to look into that because uh if the business buys it, you may get a better rate than if you buy it personally. Wouldn't I need to get a group policy at that point, though? So we'd still be in the same boat buying two policies, one for me and one I'm for not, me. I'm not uh, sure about that. I don't think so. I think you can have two policies, uh, and you don't have to form a group. Okay. But I... that's a question for your insurance company. Okay. You know, but, it, it, Chuck, uh, I would strongly advise you to get a hold of an insurance guy and or whoever's helped, sold you these two policies and, Tell them what I just told you because that, I mean, there's a lot of uh, tax savings with it. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what we can uh, work out, and then yeah, maybe I'll just come back to you and say they say that it'll cost me this much, you know, how much how much does that save me on my taxes, and we can figure out if it's worth right. doing. But I but I have found that business policies are cheaper than individuals. That makes sense. So, you know, let's see how it comes out for you. But the bottom line is, is once the business buys the insurance or pays the insurance premiums, then you're, then you're, uh, you get to take that as an expense within the company and not on your itemized deductions. Now, another, another one that people can take is what's known as business use of the home, Mm -hmm. where you look at the, square footage that you're using for the production of your income, okay? If it's just a bedroom, then you just take the dimensions of that bedroom. Uh, I have a client that uses in his entire basement for his business. He does all his production down there. He produces jewelry. And you take the total square footage that's being used for the business against the total square footage of the house and come up with a percentage, then you're able to take that percentage of your mortgage interest, property tax, 
insurance on the house, and utilities as an expense in your business. And that reduces then uh, the amount of profit that you generate, reduces self-employment tax, reduces overall income tax. So for for the utilities and everything else, how, how do we work that out? Does the business just cut a check for that, or do we just no. claim, we just itemize it on our taxes? There's a form called an 8829, and you just report on that form what your mortgage interest was, what your property tax was, what your utilities were, and then the form takes the percentage and applies it, and that's all you have to do. You do not have to reimburse yourself for any of this. Okay. And you can also get some utilities, too. Pardon me? Um, You can also, at least in Oregon, get some utilities. So, like, say it's my office, let's say 10% of the house, then 10% of the Internet and of water and all that, we can also write off. Exactly, yeah. So the other other utility, I guess, that we use that, well, it's not tied into the house is my cell phone? Yes. And the cell phone, uh, generally, you can... Uh, expense all of it except for the per- what you do for personal use on the cell phone. And the audits I've been in, um, generally they, they say at least 10% of what you do is, is personal. And I would tend to agree with that. Um, unless you're carrying a separate cell phone for your personal use. Oh, no. <laughs> that just sounds you know, like a hassle to me. You know, it's, it, uh, you just cannot get away from taking personal calls. Right. Well, what I do is I I have a business line. It's a voice over IP. And so I all of that I basically pay for in my business. And the I have a phone here. So the hardware is for my business. And then on my cell phone is I have an app that lets me log into that account. So if I get a business call, it comes through that app, like a second line. And so I actually have a completely isolated. And so I can write off all of that phone usage, but I don't write off my actual cell phone line because that's a that's exclusively personal and so i i have it separated like that so it's pretty easy to bill wow that's fantastic and then also my cell phone is actually a mobile device used for testing websites and web applications so it's actually a you know business expense to buy a new cell phone yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah i paid for my that's, that's all ordinary and necessary yeah, my business paid for my iPhone 5 because I'm using it to uh, learn how to write iPhone apps. So Ordinary and necessary. Yep. So um, you so what you're saying is since we have two lines, then um, – and Verizon will break down like how many minutes my wife used and how many I used. Yeah. So I can sit down and I can say, okay, well, it looks like I used about 60% of the minutes – and 10, 10, 20% of that is, you know, leaves it at like 48%. So 48% of our bill is business. You got it. And then I, do I need to reimburse myself for that, or do we claim it the same way as the house stuff, or what? Well, is the Verizon bill in your name or in the business name? It's in my name. Then the way I do it is I write a check out of my business account, uh, you know, you're, you've come up with 48%. So I would write a check out of my business account for 48% of that bill. And then I would write another check out of my personal account for 52% of that bill, put both checks in the same envelope and mail it. And then, and that takes care of, uh, 
that makes it easy because now your your business is paid for its portion. Uh, I see. And, and your bit and your personal is paid for its portion, and uh, you don't have to do any more accounting. Okay. You no, know, write, writing yourself a check is fine, but then you got to put it in the bank and all that kind of stuff. If you do it this other way, then it just the yeah. bill gets paid and they're fine. That makes sense. And it's also a pretty clear trail because you know mm-hmm. Verizon or whatever would have cashed a check and it would have shown up as Verizon cashing it in your business bank account. And so, yeah. Can I go online and pay part of the bill with one card and part of the bill with another card? Absolutely. Work the same way. It's it's. That's the new technology. I'm going with the old technology because I'm a little older than you, Chuck. <laughs> Not that much older, but okay. <laughs> All right. Oh. But that, the, the concept is uh, pay for the business stuff out of your business account and pay for the uh, uh, personal stuff out of your personal account. Now, you go to Walmart and you buy some office supplies, you've got the receipt, and you're going to break out personal from business and at that point then yes the business should reimburse your personal Mm -hmm. yeah usually when i do that i just put two piles on the counter okay ring this one up pay with a personal card bring these ones up pay with the business card and then after well now that's even better i never thought of that that's even better yeah well then i don't have to do anything when i get home except for take care of one receipt there you go that that's me being lazy well, I no, I think that's being very efficient in my mind. So, all right. So I'm and trying I'm, to think. I'm going to do that next time. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. So the internet. Um, I don't know if there's a good way of measuring internet as far as how much the business uses versus personal uses. Time. Yeah, you could do time. Uh, if if you used an eighty twenty, it just depends on how much you do use it for personal use. But if you did an 80-20, you'd probably be okay. 80% business, 20% personal? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess in our line of work, that would be reasonable. I'm only on the internet like all day. See? (laughs) And and you could make an argument if you want to get down on the 25, you know, toward the black end zone. You could make an argument that I'm going to take all of my internet expense because I have to have the internet for my business. Mm Mm-hmm. I may use some of it, you know, for personal use, but I would have had to buy the internet anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's true. And that's another thing, because like, I mentioned in the chat, like, I have stuff hooked up. So if it's 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm on personal time, uh, if I get a call or whatever because the server's down, it immediately goes to business time. And so having that, I have to have the internet there in order to tell me to get up and turn the server on for the business. I could see that also working for that, especially if you do a lot of uh, system administration or DevOps type stuff. Yeah. So are there any other categories of things that we need to talk about for taxes? Well, the only other thing is on meals. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. Make sure that you keep, you know, you have the individual's name and the business purpose. And then remember that you only get half. You only get to take half of that expense. Okay. All so right. isn't it isn't it half if it's like within fifty or seventy five miles, but if it's longer than half, like as part of a travel, it goes under a different category? Okay. That is what you're looking at is meals and entertainment, you take the fifty percent deduction. If you travel, 
then you use the per diem for those meals that you have to incur because you're on the road. Ah, okay. If you entertain somebody while you're on the road, uh, it's a 50% deduction, uh, and you should, technically, you should reduce the per diem that you take by, you know, the amount of that, of your portion of the meal, you know, that you did, you know, like, say you take somebody out to lunch. But, you know, if you have breakfast and dinner by yourself, then the per diem comes into play. But even using the per diem, they only allow 50%. You know, so that by using the per diem, if they half that, generally you spend less than that anyway. So the per diem is a pretty good, pretty good deal. But I've had doctors go to conferences and, you know, they'll spend $100, $150 on a meal and, and they're only allowed to take the per diem. They can't take the actual one at that point. Hmm. Okay. So if I am traveling, then I want to pay for the meal with my personal card and then claim the per diem? I would still pay for it with your business card. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we come in to do your taxes, then we'll, we will ignore the amount you spent on business meals Okay. when you were traveling and use the per diem. Okay. So that accounting gets a little tricky. You have to kind of keep a separate account for uh, meals while you're away. Okay. Now, being away, and this may be where you're coming from, Eric, you know, if if you're having to drive more than 50 miles and, you know, stay overnight, uh, then that's all... That's all deductible under the normal rules, and we've talked about those. But let's say you have to go more than 50 miles and have lunch and then come back. Uh, you can take that lunch, okay? Does that make sense? So you can deduct the entire cost of the lunch or just half? No, you can, well, if it's just you, you can deduct the entire cost of the lunch. But you have to be away from home, away from your tax home. Okay. And that's 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 where that comes in, and that's that's maybe where Eric was thinking on this fifty bucks or fifty miles thing. Okay, yeah, I mean, it, I had that recommendation from someone else who was freelancing, and he basically talked about how, depending on how far you travel, it's it will change the amounts. You know, if it's like the same town you're in versus you know going fifty miles or seventy five miles or whatever out to go meet someone. Right. All right. Yeah. The, the idea is is that you can't. You've left your tax home, and at that point, then uh, you're away from home, and the rules change at that point than if you're within the radius. All right. Are there any other areas that we should talk about? We're getting toward the end of our time here, but I want to make sure that we're thorough. No, I can't think of any others. Uh, the only other thing that I like to recommend is that you include every expense you can think of no matter how remote. I have a daughter that teaches piano because she's in the music business. When she buys a CD, even though it's unrelated to her piano teaching, she still can deduct that the cost of that CD. Uh, and so uh, what I like is that you give me every expense that you can think of, and then let me tell you, no, you can't take an expense 
rather than for me to try and guess what expenses you might have. Okay. Another example of that that I do is any business or programming book I buy um, basically becomes a deduction. And I think the actual term uh, in Oregon is it's actually like a reference library that I use for my business. There you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you subscribe to software that, you know, you need to pay for or whatever, um, you know, and it may not be directly related to what you do, but it's in your industry, then you, you can deduct that. So, you know, obviously you deduct QuickBooks if you bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you want to look at a software, a tax software of some sort. You know, that's kind of outside the range of what you do, but it is, re- you know, it's related enough that I would uh, take that. Or like Chuck was mentioning, he was getting into iOS programming for like the iPad. So buying iPad software to see, not only to use it for personal stuff, but maybe to see how the user interface is, how it works, all that stuff. Would that work? That's a better example. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. That's yes. that's actually what I was going to say is um, I buy a game for my iPhone, and sure, I'm buying the game because I want to play the game, but you know, conceivably I could be buying it because I want to get ideas for things that I could put into my own iPhone apps. Yeah, so you're going to have a line item for Killer Bird, or yeah. Yeah, Angry Birds. That one. I don't even play it. <laughs> I just see all the stuff things in the store, and I'm like, this is funny. Well, that, and that's, I mean, that example is parallel to what I'm saying about my daughter. Yeah. She, she buys that ACDC CD. It doesn't have anything to do with her piano teaching, but it is, a, it is music. And uh, so it's within her business. It's within the realm of her business. Yeah, well, between you, me, and the wall, the microphone, and anyone listening to this episode, my iTunes account is actually tied to my business account for that reason. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Scott. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Been some great great discussion and and some good rules of thumb for some of this stuff. Um, If people want to hire you to do their taxes or to get financial advice, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, my email address is scott at cpa sweeney. Hopefully everybody knows what a CPA is. And Sweeney is spelled S-W-E-E-N-E-Y dot com. And my phone number is 801-756-3394. And I am looking for new clients. And I'd be happy to dis, you know, discuss with you your situation at no charge, and then we can uh, give you an idea how much it might run you to to use my services. But when I have um, I have bookkeeping services, I have payroll services, uh, as well as the tax services that we do. Yeah, and I, I just want to jump in here and say that I can't recommend uh, Scott highly enough. He's he's really easy to work with. Um, he'll, he's explained things to me that I asked about that I may or may not necessarily have needed to know, but just so that I had the peace of mind and he's very approachable. So, um, and he's super knowledgeable, which obviously otherwise I wouldn't have brought him on the show, but I just can't say enough good things about him. So if you're looking for a tax person, you need somebody who you can, um, deal with and, and be, be happy with the service you're getting, then, then give Scott a call or email and let him know that you heard about him here. Well, thank you very much, Chuck. I appreciate that endorsement. 
All right. Well, let's get into the picks. Eric, what are your picks? Um, so one thing I watched this past week was a TED Talk. It's called Agile Programming for Your Family. It's a pretty interesting talk. I think it's like an 18-minute one. But uh, if you have a family, you know, if you're married, you know, dating someone or you have kids, it's actually a pretty pretty decent idea. It's actually stealing some of the agile programming practices and putting it into like the family unit and the family dynamic. So uh, I'll have the link in the show notes. It's it's interesting. I'm probably going to try it with my family. Awesome. All right, I'll go next. Um, the first one I'm going to pick is app.net. Um, app.net is kind of a Twitter alternative. It up until recently has been a paid only service, but uh, apparently they're giving out invitations to their uh, paid members. So I'm using it and I'm not paying for it because I got this invitation. Um, so if you know somebody who's using it and you want to try it out, then, uh, then let them know. Um, and app.net is over at app.net. One other thing I want to pick, I think I, let me check and make sure I didn't pick it last week before I pick it. Yeah, I did. It was the anchor battery pack that, uh, was so, it was so nice to have. So I'll just, uh, reiterate that pick. It was so nice to have at the parade of homes, um, charged up like three different phones throughout the day and it was still only half empty. So I figure I can get away with quite a bit there, um, charging up my video camera and stuff as I go to different conferences. So, um, I'll, I'll have another link put into the show notes if you want that. Scott, do you have some picks for us? Uh, let me say this. I'm not even on Facebook yet. So can that suffice? I'll pick Facebook. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I just don't have anything. Thanks. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Totally fine. Um, I, I think you've given us plenty to think about anyway. So, anyway, thanks for coming again. And, All right, uh, you're very welcome. We're gonna wrap the show up, and we'll catch everybody next week. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye. Goodbye.